0: Brethren, trials, as we heard in the first message, are upon us one way or another. We all have trials. In fact, trials, as we saw, as it was very clearly explained by Dan, it should lead us to growth. And God does allow a number of difficulties to cross our lives because he is working on us to become better people. God wants us to be one, to be united. In John 17, which was Christ's last prayer uh, with the disciples uh, uh, after the foot-washing, Passover ceremony before he was betrayed, he said that you can read that in John 17, verse 20 through 23, John 17, 20 through 23, that he says, you know, I pray not just for myself and for you, but for those that will follow you, that we all may be one, just like the Father and Christ are one. And he prays that we all may be united, be one in unity. That is his desire. The way I look at it, brethren, I think of it as his lost will. You know, it's like somebody's at the deathbed and uh, you go to them and say, um, you try and encourage them and console them. And then they give you his lost will. And we want to fulfill that lost will. And his lost will to us, in a sense, was like we would be one. And would be like him. Because if we are going to be like Christ, Christ is in the image of God, the Father. And therefore, we are becoming like God. And that's what it means, being one with the same mind and attitude. And so, as we look at the point, as we heard in the first message, that we have to grow, it is important to take that through an additional step and say, what helps us to grow? Dan clearly mentioned that as he went into James Chapter 4, that we need to be close to God. And you and I know there are the basic things of being close to God, which is daily prayer, Bible study, meditation, and occasionally fasting. So those are things that we all know. And we all do them. But I want to take that beyond another level. I want to take that to something additional to those four points. And what I want to cover today, brethren, are two critical spiritual points which are key to help us grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are some Two important points, spiritual points, that we need to have very close in our minds to grow into becoming like God. And the first one is a follow-up on the very point that Dan mentioned at the end of his message, which is humility. That is such an important principle. But I will add to it, that is a humility with a willingness to change, which which has a desire and a willingness to be taught. If we look at the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, so let's turn to Matthew 5, verse 3. And there we see the Beatitudes. And the first three Beatitudes in Matthew 5, starting from verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In other words, blessed are you if you are humble, because you, you will be in the kingdom of God, and kingdom of heaven. Then blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. And we can read into that, meaning that we repent. We mourn for what we are, for what we've done, for the sins that are around us, and we need to have a willingness to change. And thirdly, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It was the teachable, the gentle, teachable, Uh, in other words, people that are tameable, that are malleable, they're like moldable clay in the master potter's hands. And so these three go together with this principle of humility, and humility, a willingness to change, and a, a desire to be molded by God. Now, let's think about some specific examples. The first example I want you to think through is when the Israelites left Egypt. You know the story very well, but you know they left Egypt, and boy, were they a bunch. Were they complaining, moaning, ungrateful, whatever. And you and I read that story, and you can say, How could they have been so ungrateful, complaining so much, always creating objections? But you know, brethren, if we think it carefully, maybe we are like that as well. Maybe we are. And Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he gives us the situation, he, he describes the situation of the Israelites leaving Egypt, and uh, starting in verse 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. Man, that is an understatement. God was not well pleased with most of them for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. In other words, they did not make it to the promised land. Why? Because they were complaining and moaning and God was not pleased with them. But Verse 6 is quite meaningful because it says, Now these things became our examples that to the intent that we should not, and then lists a number of things lust and be idolatrous, have sexual immorality, not tempt Christ, and not complain. So we got to be careful how we do things. It's easy for us to complain, to create objections about little things. It is easy. And look at verse um, at verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Brethren, we need to analyze ourselves. In our Christian life, are we, maybe not to the same level, but do we have roots of those attitudes in our lives? Maybe, Whatever the situation may be, you think about it. There might be something in church that you say, Well, I'm not happy with this, and, and, and you're not happy with that, or I'm not happy with the way that person talked to me, or something like that. And there is a, a right way of handling it. But sometimes just complaining and creating more problems is not the way to go about it. I want to give you another example. The first example I gave you was the Israelites leaving Egypt on the way to the Promised Land. Now think about the future. The Israelites and people will be leaving the world and going to the Promised Land because Jesus Christ has returned and is now ruling on Mount Zion. This is what we normally call the second exodus. In other words, Christ has come, and now the nations, the Israelites, and a mixed multitude will come, which have been scattered on all corners of the earth, and will be coming to where Christ, and hopefully you and I as spirit beings, are ruling. Now, think about the attitude the Israelites had when they left Egypt. Stubborn, arrogant, unwilling to be moldable. You know, was not humble, not moldable, not teachable. And now think about this situation at the beginning of the millennium. When the Israelites are coming to Mount Zion, where Christ is, they would have gone through the most devastating trials upon earth of the Great Tribulation, the Day of the Lord, all that, and these people be coming because Christ has now established His kingdom on earth. What do you think will be their attitude? You don't have to look too far because it's in the Bible. It's in Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. That's the fourth last book of the Old Testament. And it says, in that day, verse 11, you shall not be ashamed for any of your deeds in which you transgress against me. For then I'll take away from your midst those who rejoice in your pride, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. You will no longer be haughty. It was arrogant and proud. And look at verse 12. This is the one I want you to focus on. Verse 12. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. The people that will be coming on that second Exodus from all corners of the earth, those Israelites and a mixed multitude, They will be a meek and humble people. That is a very powerful statement. They will be a people that will be teachable, that will be willing to learn. And you and I, God willing, as spirit beings will be there teaching them, and hopefully our children and grandchildren will be there as well, helping them physically in all tomorrow as pioneers. But these people will be meek and humble, a very different attitude than the Israelites when they left Egypt. They were arrogant and haughty and complainers, not malleable. And those were the people that will be the first ones from which future generations will grow in the world tomorrow. That is why this meekness and humility is such an important point for us to develop now. For us to develop now. As I mentioned last week in my sermon about the place of safety, one of the possibilities that those that would be in a place of safety is because they are meek and teachable. They have this different spirit. You see, that's what God looks for. I appreciated the scripture that was read by a young man before services. That it says, on this one will I look that has a contrite heart. And I appreciate the first message that says we go through trials, but we are to grow through them. And one of the key points, not the only one, but one of the key points, is that we have to be meek and teachable. Last week I also read in Zephaniah chapter 2, Zephaniah chapter 2, Verses 1 through 3. And it says, gather yourselves. In other words, work together as a team. Be one. Be one. Don't go out in your own little petty ideas. Submit to one another. And then it says, do that before the day of the Lord. You see that in verse 2. And that is directly to us. we got to do it now. Because we see that's what God wants and God will have of those people that will come out of the four corners of the earth, that God will work with them because they are those that will be in the second exodus. God wants meek and teachable people. Meek and humble And then it says in Zephaniah chapter two, verse three, talking to us today, seek the Lord, all your meek of the earth. And then he says, Seek righteousness, seek his justice, who uphold his justice. And then he says, It may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So God is looking for a contrite heart. A meekness, a teachability, and in the previous message it was also read James four, and I want to turn to James four as well because in James four it says, "Why are there arguments amongst you? Why are you people fighting?" In James four, you you look at right at the beginning in. Verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among us or among you? And James is clearly talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. If you're looking in chapter 1, it says, uh, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So, why are there little nigglings and little things amongst us. I mean, it's like sometimes little children, we, can, we call them the terrible twos, you know. They, they niggle about little things. And are we like that in front of God, spiritually speaking? Or are we meek and humble? And then he goes on and says, well, you are, because you, in verse 5, is because we've got that spirit of man in man, which is that carnal mind, which has got this tendency to go the wrong way, jealousy, envy, basically carnality. But then he says in verse 6, God resists the proud. God resists the proud. But gives grace to the humble. And then look uh uh, the point here that I want to make an emphasis is at the end of verse 6. It says, he gives more grace at the beginning of verse 6. And then at the end of verse 6 says, but gives grace to the humble. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For us to grow, it says... Clearly are in James 4, verse 6, one of the key factors is that God resists the proud, but he gives grace so that you and I can grow in grace if we are humble. So humility is very important. But we also to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two. Uh, Starting in verse 1, which I think it was also touched in the earlier message, but I just want to emphasize a different angle there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That is unity. That is unity. That is being one. Think about John 17 that Christ prayed, I want you to be one. Look at Zephaniah 2 that said, gather yourselves. What does it mean? Be one? And it says in verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Isn't that humility? and willingness to be malleable. Let each esteem each other better himself. And then in verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So if we are to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that really means we are to grow understanding better The mindset, the personality, the characteristic, the character that Christ has and that He had as a human being. And we are to emulate, imitate that. And that is growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, we're growing in grace because we're humble, God gives us more grace, and therefore, We grow in grace because we become like Christ, being gracious to others, just like he did, as it's described, yeah, in chapter 2, in the first few verses. So that is the first point, key point, for us to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the second key, key point is even more important. Because the second key point, it takes on from that first point. You see, the first point, we are malleable, we are teachable, we are willing to be moldable. And the second point is that God gives us His Spirit which leads us, which gives us The guidance of what to do, of what to change, and we have to follow that lead. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, just get there, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For as many as are led. By the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. God's Spirit does not force you. God's Spirit does not possess. God's Spirit does not dominate. God's Spirit leads you. And if you are malleable and moldable, and teachable, God's Spirit can work with you. It's like the two go hand in hand together. A beautiful scripture is in Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. So let's turn there in Titus chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 1. Titus. I had the wrong book yeah? Titus chapter three uh, starting in verse one. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey and be ready to be ready for every good work. So yeah is again a malleable, teachable attitude. To speak evil on no one, to be peaceful, gentle. Gentle is meekness, gentleness, showing all humility to all men. And then in verse 4 says, But when the kindness and the love of God, that's the kindness and love of God, was when God sent us his Son. That's when the kindness of God towards man appeared. When Christ appeared in his first coming, and then he says, not by works of what you and I have done, no, but according to his mercy, he saved us from this world. Yes, we're not finally saved yet. We're not yet spirit beings. But he saved us from this society, from this world, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, is two key things that the Holy Spirit does. One is the washing of regeneration. You and I are baptized in water by a minister, and then afterwards by the laying on of hands, under Christ's authority, in Christ's name. The minister lays hands upon you and prays and asks God to fulfill the promise of the Father, And for Christ, it's Christ, to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that is the washing, the baptism, the washing, that you and I receive God's Holy Spirit. And when you and I receive God's Holy Spirit, we are begotten again. We are regenerated. But then the other point, which is the one I want to focus on today, is the washing, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The washing of renewing. In other words, God's Holy Spirit works with your mind and with my mind through what is talked about as the sanctification of the Spirit. God gives you through His Spirit, touches your conscience, your subconscious, and says, Don't do that. Don't say that. Uh, be kind how you do something. That's the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience as you read in First Peter chapter one, verse two. in first Peter chapter one, verse two. First Peter chapter one, verse two says, Elect, which is us, we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm focusing on the point that God's Holy Spirit works with your mind, works with my mind, works with our minds, if we are malleable and willing to be molded. Because it doesn't force us. It doesn't force us. It just gives us the lead. And you and I have then the responsibility to listen to that lead from God's Holy Spirit and then act accordingly, as it says, for obedience. That is the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. That is the process after you and I are baptized we got to grow spiritually by being moldable and teachable and being guided by the sanctification that was setting apart that God's Holy Spirit pricks our conscience and our minds for us to change, to be moldable, to modify. So we move from the old man to a new man. That's the renewing of the old man. You can go to scriptures like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. That shows that we are to put off the old man and we are to put on the new man. And God's Holy Spirit is guiding us through our Christian life. After we have received God's Holy Spirit, after we've been baptized, we are now growing spiritually, maturing Just like a baby in a mother's womb is growing, and spiritually speaking is we are growing in a mother's womb, and the mother is the church, until we reach a level of maturity and God in his mind sees that we are ready, that we have overcome till the end. So we have to put on this new man. We've got to put on this meekness, uh, which is renewed in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've got to put on the bond of perfection. These are all words that you can read carefully there. For instance, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, we are to put on this new man. We've got to be renewed in the image of Jesus Christ. And so, brethren, our ultimate goal is to be sons and daughters of God. Our ultimate goal is to be like he is. Our ultimate goal is to be one with God. We are to grow in unity till we get to the stature of Jesus Christ. You know that we are to grow to the stature, full stature of Jesus Christ in truth and love, putting on the unity of faith and being one. Brethren, I hope you can see that there are two very important spiritual keys to grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to be humble and meek and teachable and moldable and we therefore with that moldable and teachable attitude we will willingly submit to the lead to the guidance of God's holy spirit which will help us which is the helper which will help us to become like god and so because i made so many references to second peter chapter 3 let's now conclude by reading second peter Chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your unsteadfast fastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Don't give up, brethren. Persevere till the end. And then he says, but grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we've seen that that takes patience, that takes long-suffering, that takes empathy, that takes humility. And then when we become like God is, the glory will be God's. It says, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen.